cancer is a huge word that everybody freaks out about, but you can't allow it to be something that deters you from where you want to go in your life. You just It's just a stepping stone. So that's, that's how I approached it. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Clayton Schmidt. I'm a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers organization, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Uh, Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week we have uh, Clay Schmidt, who is a recent graduate of Clemson University, where he was a standout pitcher and was drafted three times throughout his career. Um, Clay was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma at the end of the 2015 season, and he was deemed cancer-free by late summer of 2015, and he battled himself back uh, to actually pitch for the 2016 Clemson baseball season. And he's currently pitching in the Detroit Tigers minor league system um, for the Connecticut Tigers, right? Yes. So, Clay, you want to start off just by kind of talking about, you know, when you started playing baseball and, you know, what influence your dad might have had on that. And you have a brother who also is a mm-hmm. Division One baseball player, too, at South Carolina. Yep. Uh, I kind of, I mean, honestly, it was like I came out of the womb and my parents handed me any sport object I could grab a hold of. But um, so I really probably started playing uh, competitively. And when I say competitively, like T-ball, probably like the age of four, just messing around with all the older kids and stuff. I always played up. Um, I always tried to play as much as I could because I was I played three sports. My family and my, uh, it was very adamant about playing sports. And my brother and I, um, we played basketball, baseball, and football. And, that, and when I say football, I mean when we hit like seven. Um, of course, every kid goes through that little stage of where they uh, play soccer for like a year when they're three years old. So I did that, of course, but I never really yeah. took to it. Um, yeah, same, same with me, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, man. It's like a rite of passage for anybody that wants to play sports. You play you play soccer for a year, but you never really get into it. Yeah, they, they can't um, just start. They can't start flag football a, a year <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But uh, so I, I started playing t-ball and stuff when I was like four, and that was when we, at the time, we were living in, uh, we had just, my brother had just been born when I was two, and we were living in California, and then we moved back to Beaufort, South Carolina, and so I kind of just bounced around like the YMCA leagues and stuff like that, and then finally when I moved to Georgia when I was uh, about six years old, I really got into like the the scene, like the All Star. It's kind of like the Pony League um, stuff here in Atlanta, and the competition. Like I at the time, like I played against Dansby Swanson. He and I have grown up together. Guys that um, have really gone through the system now, and and now are making moves. I played all of them when we were in T-ball. So. So lots of talent uh, down there in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a talent-filled uh, area, and um, so I, I really started at that point. We started getting really competitive, um, and when I was about twelve, we moved to East Cobb. And East Cobb, if if anybody's uh, a big fan or from the South or anything like that of baseball, knows that East Cobb ten years ago was the biggest thing in in baseball. Everybody traveled from around. Uh, the United States to come there for their uh, perfect game tournaments and and stuff like that. So I played there against top competition, 
for a little bit and then moved on to Team Elite in Winder, Georgia, which is one of my best, probably one of the most uh, satisfying experiences of my baseball um, career. And, and when I say that, I mean uh, my undergraduate, like when I was in, still in high school and stuff, just because that was where I got seen. That's where I kind of um, all the colleges and stuff like that started to see me and stuff. And so you went uh, to a lot of showcases and stuff. Is that what like I, most uh, players do, or like most college honestly, players? Honestly, uh, some guys some guys are showcase kids, and what I mean by that is like they go to every showcase they can. I, on the other hand, was not. I was one of those people that I just played in the tournaments, and then one uh, it was it was weird. Like I went to. The Georgia Top 100, which was like a high school thing, top competition. My high school coach was like, "Hey, I need you. To, I want you to go to this." And so, I went there my sophomore year, and that was like the first time I ever popped a 90. And they were like, "Okay, well, who's this kid?" Right. And so, and, after and popped that, a 90 for people who are listening to this who aren't familiar with baseball it means that you threw 90 miles an hour. So. Yeah. Yeah, I apologize. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's good, dude. Uh, so that was the first time I. I reached 90 miles an hour and they were like okay well we need to get you to like showcases so perfect game called me and there's like a it's like a big deal for it's called the junior national showcase and uh that for people that don't know it's a event put on by perfect game and perfect game is a big baseball organization that's probably the biggest organization that you can get into and what what it was is they take the top uh prospects and then put them all in the showcase so all the scouts college coaches can see you and out of nowhere, it was like one day I was throwing like my so- my sophomore year or my junior year now at the time, I was like throwing like 90. And then the next day I go to this showcase, I'm throwing 96. And it was like, uh, like what happened? Like <laughs> what did you, you eat do? last night? <laughs> yeah. And I, it really was like I remember getting done with it and like getting off the mound after two innings. And my dad was like, what did we do last night? Like what? Did I feed you? What yeah, we got to keep doing morning? that. Yeah, like, what's going on? And then after that, it's like everything blew up. I got, I became an All-American, um, and I went out to San Diego and played a game at Petco Park that our competition was unreal. Like, Addison Russell, Alex Bregman, uh, Joey Gallo, all the, guy, all the young guys uh, that are in the MLB right now, I played against, and I'm really close friends with. And then after... All-American, I was fortunate enough to be on Team USA, which was unreal. And throughout this time, I'm just learning how to become a better pitcher, become a better athlete, and, and more mature. And so then I finally made my – I had made my decision my – I think it was my sophomore summer going into junior year to commit to Clemson. And after that, I, I mean, it was my freshman year, I – I was a starting pitcher, a weekend starter, um, and then I bounced around from roll to roll a little bit, still starting throughout my four years there. Um, and then my, I mean, my senior year uh, was me. I was a full-on weekend starter, Friday guy, um, just just really kind of the prototypical okay, you stay there four years, this is what's going to happen and stuff like that. And I was for, very fortunate enough to be able to uh, have a great coaching staff my senior year to to really take his places. And we ended up winning the ACC championship. And I was fortunate enough last night we went back to Clemson and got my uh, ACC championship ring. So it was, all, oh, it was sure always pretty a, sweet looking. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really cool. It's if you there's a picture on my Instagram and Twitter and stuff that I put up, and uh, if you want, I'll, I'll have to email it to you. But it's uh, it's yeah, really yeah. I'll cool. throw it in the show notes if you send it to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, cool, man. Um, so based off of what you were saying about your early career, it seemed like a lot of things were just kind of falling into place for you, and I'm sure yeah. like a lot of hard work went into that, you know, but to have that cancer diagnosis at the end of your junior season, I guess, uh, yeah. it, it was, you know, that must have been pretty crazy. You know, everything's going your way, and then all of a sudden something that is out of your control, you know, uh-huh. kind of throws you a curveball, so to say. Yeah. Um, it, it, no, seriously, it was it was one of those moments, like, I come from a military uh, family. My dad's in the Marine Corps, and my brother and I are people that don't cry. We don't cry at all, no matter what's going on. Like, I mean, even, like, close family friends if there's a death in the family we it's still tough for us to cry which is I don't know what it is it's just how we were raised but when I got the phone call on the back porch with my entire family around I couldn't like all of us could not help but just pour out tears and it was like 10 minutes of just uncontrollable crying of just like why is this happening why me like just playing the sob story and then after that it was like I took it upon myself I was like look I gave myself 10 minutes of depression I gave like I got it all out I'm good 10 now minutes that's, yeah <laughs> I know I know well that's my thing man I mean I, I was my attitude going through it is like okay I heard the doc say you can play baseball again you'll be fine it's treatable you're not gonna die I'm gonna take care of you and I was like okay all right that's, that's all that's, I needed to hear yeah that's comforting yeah and so I was like look man that's all I needed to know Let's do this now. How like what's the next step? What do you want me to do? And my docs, my doctors uh, were the, probably the most unbelievable doctors, Doctor Raul Oyola um, at Kinnestone and stuff. And it, it, I mean, I can't say enough about them. But uh, uh, literally, it's funny that he's one of those people. Normally, this stuff takes weeks. So you get diagnosed, you get you got to go in, get all these tests done. Then this stuff takes weeks before you start your chemo treatment. Why is and that? It's just because it, they have to get all your blood work, all your um, your tests, like your bone marrow. They have to take bone marrow tests to make sure it's not in your, uh, like, deep within your bloodstream or if it's in your bone marrow. Because if it is in your bone marrow, you're a different stage. And it's like all this stuff. Like, normally people have to take time because in between it, they're taxing. They're really taxing. Like, bone marrow is one of the most painful things ever because you're – they put you. They numb the area, but you. It doesn't really numb it. Like it. Like you know what's going on. Right. So, I get into the doctor's. The doctor's like, "Look, man, I want to get you back on the field as soon as possible." And he goes, "So I want to have you come in tomorrow. We're gonna look at this thing and get you going, okay?" So I come in there thinking I'm just gonna get like a scan or whatever. And so I get my scan, get my blood work, and he's like, "Okay, look, I've got your scans right here. This is 15 minutes later." And normally, even for an X-ray, you gotta wait like till like the next day. Right. And so I get my scans back, and he's like, "Okay, I know what you got. You got Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like, I see where it's at. We can take this now. It's a question of how quick do you want to do like get this treatment going." I looked him right in the face, and I go, "I want to get done as soon as I can because if I miss first day of fall ball for my senior year, I'm gonna be absolutely like enraged." He goes, okay, <laughs> roll over. We're taking your bone marrow. And I go, what? And he's like, yep, I'm taking a giant drill, and I'm drilling into your right above your butt, and we're going to take bone marrow. And I 
I mean, I was, at the time, I was like, why did I just accept this man's, like, right. like what what am I doing? Calling but, his bluff or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was, honestly, I mean, that was just my mentality through it all. I mean, my sto- this is, this story is not for me. It's for people after me. And I just want to try and be an inspiration to people who get diagnosed because it's it's something that you can come back from. You don't. Cancer is a huge word that everybody freaks out about, but you can't allow it to be something that deters you from where you want to go in your life. You just it's just a stepping stone. So that's that's how I approached it. All right. So and you you were thinking about baseball the whole time, it sounds like. Yeah, I literally the entire time my I had tunnel vision. I wanted to be on the mound opening day my senior year. All right. Um so before we get on to the, the treatments, I just kinda wanna talk about your father's, you know, uh, you know, experience in the military and how, like, what uh-huh. influence it had on you. You said that it had effect on your emotions and kind of holding in your emotions. Yeah. Um, but, like, how else did that kind of influence you, like, you got, you and your brother in terms of, uh-huh. you know, your baseball careers and, and stuff like that? Maybe po- you know, one positive and one negative. Okay, so one po- – actually, there's a couple positives. So one Name of the big them, things yeah. for me – one of the big things for me was it's being able to organize and work hard towards something and understand – where I wanted to go in life. Like I knew that I, when I was a young age, I wanted like everybody has those, like those backyard dreams of, Oh, I want to play professional baseball. But mine was like with everything in my, every fiber in my being, I want to be a professional baseball player. Right. And I knew I wanted to work towards that. And coming from a military background, it gives you that, that hard work, that work ethic that you need to be able to, have or need to have in order to get there and so that's one of the great things now one of the cons when I was younger was when we moved around constantly and that was one of the things that was kind of tough but once my dad got to a higher ranking it was like we could settle down and that's when we really started I really started to get a core group of friends when I was really young and and then that core group became like it was my teammates and then they kept following me following me and I think that really helped me in the long run because I really found myself as a player and as a teammate there before I ventured out by myself on different teams and on the higher levels. You know what I'm saying? Right. Did moving around, like did playing baseball and moving around, did playing baseball help you, I guess, like while you were going to all these different places? Yeah, it definitely did because it was just competition. And when I say moving around too, I mean we moved within Georgia. Like there was a there was like a – there was a seven-month period where we were, because we were building our house here, where we were bouncing. We moved like f- six times, and it was within like literally seven months because we were moving from rental house to rental house because people would buy them or something like that. That must have been and, a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was box after. We literally lived out of a suitcase. and yeah. So it's just something that you really learn to deal with. You learn to really embrace the long drives, like, trying to make it back places and stuff like that. But I knew I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that in order for me to get there, I needed to do this this stuff. And so right. I, I understood where I was going. So I didn't mind it at all, really. All right. Good stuff, man. Um, so let's get back to the, the cancer treatment. Sorry, I'm going to bounce around here a little bit. No, but, you're fine. Um, so what was the most difficult aspects of the cancer treatments? Uh, definitely probably the entire chemotherapy uh, treatment aspect of it. It's, it was from the point where you would get a treatment in the morning at like nine 
And then it, you sit in a chair for three hours while they pump fluids into you. And you just sit there and you just get, you can feel yourself just getting absolutely so sick that you like can't get up to go to the bathroom. And it would, it would just like wear and tear on you. And then it would hold out, like you would be sick for a solid like eight days. And it, and it would be like, I would try and work out and stuff like the day after. And it would suck so bad because it was like, I couldn't, I could feel my body being to like deteriorated from the inside. Right. And did, did, did they recommend to work out? Uh, they re- I mean, they recommend it just for the fact that it's really good to help flush out all the chemicals. Now, it absolutely was one of the hardest things to do because even when I was done with treatment and chemo and radiation, like I couldn't run, I couldn't run 20 feet without like having to take a break. Like I was so worn out and yeah. my body was so uh, destroyed from the chemicals and stuff that it's like you couldn't you couldn't do anything. And so even like the most minute movements, so like monster walks for and like people who don't know monster walks, you put like a, a band Bands, around yeah. your ankle. Yeah. And then you just you get in a squat position, athletic position and just like walk with it. Like walk spread out, out and up, yeah, yeah, and I could barely do that. I could not like it was so hard to walk down a hallway with those. But I mean, I just I had my brother there and my support system with my family, and I was just one of those things where I was like, look, man, I got to embrace this. Like, if I want to get to where I want to go, and if I want to be able to be on the mound, I gotta be able to do this. And so I found a way. Just I don't know how I did it. Just just pure will, really, and then just trying to um push through drills like i did a lot of dry drills uh towel drills and stuff for pitching like my mechanics and stuff like that and even though i wasn't supposed to because of my port and my chest they were like i was like look man i gotta do it so uh, i mean it's just finding finding your niche in in those in those certain situations whatever fuels you whatever you are thinking about and what will push you through the treatments is what I was thinking about, and that's what got me through. Did you ever get, like, discouraged, you know, when oh, you were feeling mm-hmm. that way? Like, you're like, oh, I don't know if I could ever come back and pitch, you know, at a Division One level again. Uh, yeah, like- I mean, there was – I wouldn't say that it would. It was discouragement of I wouldn't be able to pitch. It was the point of – I think it was, like, more like, why me? There was one time when we were coming back from treatments, my brother and I were in the car – and I just like I hit a like there was a red light and I was just sitting there thinking and I started to get sick and I was like, how in the world is a 21 year old kid who works out all the time, eats right, exercises, uh, has never done anything wrong in his life, like how do I get that of all people, right? Like and it's just like it hit me like a wave, man. And I was just like this sucks, like that, like at that point I was I was pretty discouraged. But of course, like I said, man, I mean, my, I had my brother there and he was just like, look, man, you're going to have moments like this. That's why I'm here. The family's here. And, and, uh, it was, that's, I mean, I'm, I can't say it enough. That's what really got me through. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to make because, you know, this podcast specifically, we talk a lot about overcoming injuries, obstacles, illness, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. But, you know, the thing is like, it's normal to have those feelings. And I think yep. being an athlete and trying to be like tough or whatever, you know, when you have these feelings, you're almost like, you know, you, you feel guilty by having those feelings Like you, yep. you shouldn't be having. Yeah, but yeah, it's, not it's normal. All. And, yeah, it's and that, normal. Was one of, that was one of the things that uh, I accepted early was the fact that 
I wasn't going to be able to do any of the stuff that I wanted to do or that I thought I could do. And when I say that, I mean that in it's it's the point you have to understand. You can't you have no control after the fact that you're injured, you get sick or you're like whatever illness or injury you're going through. You cannot control what happens after. The only thing you can control is how you bounce back from those feelings. And that was exactly, that yep. was something that I took to heart and and when my brother was there and we just sat there and talked about it, I was like, "Look, man, you can't I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be down. I'm going to be down. That's I understand it. I'm not going to cuz throughout my entire life I learned how to compartmentalize. That was one of the things my dad instilled in my brother and I, and that's a military thing. You compartmentalize your feelings in order to move on to the next task and handle it accordingly. And that was one of the things I knew that I could not do was try and bundle all this stuff up and not have help during this period because I was already weak mentally and physically. I couldn't have been able to do it. Right. And so it, it, that, and I also had um, a sports psychiatrist, a really close friend of mine, a uh, family friend, and he worked with uh, the Braves, the Washington Nationals. Um, he's the guy that fixed Tom Glavin. Uh, and it was just, and his name was Dr. Jack Llewellyn. And I, I mean, I just talked to him, just just another sounding board, just somebody that I could talk to and just help, like, just get out all the feelings and stuff. And that's that's what I recommend to everybody who, whoever's going through an injury or recovery period or stuff like that, you cannot bundle it all in because it will eat you alive. Uh, yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I, I've had a couple of sports psychologists on the show also. And when I was going through my injury recovery and you know, transition to life after sports. I worked with a sports psychologist, so that's definitely mm-hmm. uh, solid advice. Um, so during like I, during that time when you said you were at the red light and you were feeling really bad for yourself, you know, during your treatment process, like what things would make you the happiest? Uh, probably because when I was first diagnosed, now I was on the border of being able to go to the pediatrics cancer ward, so I was just a little bit too old. But I, I, they were going to allow me to do it just because of what my situation was and, like, who my stature or whatever, and whatever stature that may be. But uh, it was, I just wanted to be able to go in there and, and kind of just put a smile on some kids' faces and, and stuff like that. But my, my happiest moments were when I – like, July 4th was – so I'm probably a month deep into my treatment – and so I, my off week happened to be, so you go a week on of treatment, a week off. And my week off happened to be July 4th. And oh, all cool. my friends and all of our uh, buddies, my buddy has a lake house on Lake Oconee. And uh, so we all went out there and, and spent July 4th together. And I, for the first time, I picked up a baseball. And, like, I just was, like, flicking another hand, like, just messing around with my, like, my brother had to throw. And I was just flicking it back and forth to him underhand. And just that tiny thing of just being able to flick it back and forth right. like made me the happiest moments. Or when I was doing like mechanics drills or, or seeing or when I would go into the cancer ward and see somebody who'd been there was a guy that literally I sat next to every time I was in there. He had been there for 16 years straight every day. And he got treatment. I was like, man, you are unbelievable. And that just stuff like that fuels you. And it's yeah, like it's crazy. You you really it's like you understand. I you really got this. So it seems like you know the you're the happiest when you're when you're around baseball. Have you ever thought about 
you know, I'm sure the thoughts crossed your mind before, especially going through what you went through. You know, w- what would happen if you didn't have baseball? Mm-hmm. You know, like, have you thought about what your life after baseball might look like? Yeah, I mean, my I want to be, which is even after baseball, I still want to be in the game somehow. And whether right. that be coaching or I would prefer, I want to be an agent because I want to, uh, I went to school for sports management. I want to be able to help other athletes, younger and older, fulfill their dreams and, and help them in any path or any way, shape, or form that I can. Um, and then after that, of course, I want to, when I get older and uh, start having a family and stuff like that, I want to be able to coach my kids and, and, and help other kids. And I'm doing right now, like I'm doing lessons and stuff in the off season, just because um, just I want to help other people and, and know the, what I've gone through and instill some whatever wisdom I do have into the others. Yeah, I mean, if you've reached, you know, a very high level of baseball that all high school baseball players probably strive to do, you know, just playing at Clemson mm-hmm. is like a dream for most people and a delusional dream for a lot of parents around there for their kids. Yeah. But um, either way, that, that's awesome. Um, so how did your teammates and coaches treat you, you know, during this time? Oh, they were unreal. They were constant support system. At the time, we had a coaching change, um, and the new coach immediately when he was hired called me. He was like, I, I was, I think I was like the third person he called, and like the first person on the team, he was like, Hey, Clay, I'm Monty Lee. Nice to, nice to talk to you finally. Um, and he, we had him up here and his family up here for dinner at my house, and I was still going through treatments, and it was one of the coolest experiences. He was like, Whatever you need, we'll do. And then when you get back, we'll push you. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And so when I got back, the entire team, I mean, it was, it was a long and hard road back. I will be the first one to tell you. Like I, like I said, like we would r- be running conditioning, and I would be like, guys, I can't do this. Like, I, like it'd be like the first sprint, and I'd be like, I need, like, I, you got to give me a second. And they give were, me the oxygen mask. Yeah, like they were like, look, man, we get it. But if you want to be our Friday night guy or a guy for us on the weekend, we need you to do this. And that just right there just fueled me. And I was right. like, okay, well, here we go. So I'd run again. I'd take a break. They, but they knew, they knew when I was really tired. So they would like let, let off a little bit and then they push. But they just constantly would push that wall and push that barrier until finally the, I was almost back to 100%, which was uh, all a testament to them. So, awesome. Um, so during this time, you also didn't you get a chance to to talk to John Lester? Yes, I did. I uh, I was they uh, they ended up playing the Atlanta Braves uh, during. So John Lester's chemo- a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, right? For yep. who anyone anyone who's listening who doesn't know who John Lester is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so they he uh, I was asked to be on Sports Center. So I go on SportsCenter not having any idea of what's going on. They were just going to ask me a, a couple questions about cancer, and I was like, okay, yeah, of course. Uh, so I get on there, and then all of a sudden they surprise me with tickets, and, and I'm meeting John Lester, and I was like, what is going on? And uh, so I end up going to Brave Stadium with my family, and, uh, of course, like I said, Addison Russell, who's a really good buddy of mine, who he and I lived together for three months when – we were on Team USA. He plays for the Cubs as well. He's their shortstop. Um, and I got to see him as well and, and sit there and talk to Anthony Rizzo and John Lester. Like, it, it was probably one of the coolest experiences 
during that time. And also, they they sent me out to the All Star game. Uh, stand up for cancer did, and and I got to see the home run derby and and the All Star game with my family. I mean, I was probably one of the most blessed kids with cancer there ever was. So yeah, yeah, there's always like good opportunity. Like even though you're going through crap, a lot of times like when you when you go through rough times, you know. People and supportive people out there, they they give you some cool experiences. Yeah, so. it was it was unreal. So John Lester actually had the same cancer that you did, right? Yep, and Anthony Rizzo did. And Anthony Rizzo. So what what did these uh, guys give you in terms of advice for for coming back to baseball? Lester was Lester told me he was like it took him a solid eighteen months till he really like it, when he really his arm felt a hundred percent everything was good. And so that was one of the things that I've kept in my mind. Like, when I get back in spring training, I should be at 100%. And that's something I'm really excited for this year. But he was like, look, man, you got to push yourself, but you got to understand where your body is right now. You right. can't push yourself to the point of where you break. And you're going to want to do that, but you cannot allow that because it's going to just cause setbacks. And he's like, your body has been under, uh, like, distress the most major distress it will ever go under for the past two and a half months. You've got to let it rest. You've got to be able to allow it to push it just to the point of where, like, before you break it, but you have to understand once you get there, you have to let it off. Like, let it get some rest, and you just have to understand that give-and-take relationship. And and then after that, we were like, all right, man, let's start. let's stop talking about all the – all the the bad stuff. Let's let's just talk regular talk. And so we just sat there and talked about golf, about life, about everything, man. And it was it was one of the it was a really cool experience. So what kind of stuff do you like doing outside of baseball? Uh, I love to I stuff. love to golf. I, lo- I absolutely love it because I'm a pitcher. I mean, you gotta love golf. Uh, right. I love being able to hang out with uh, family and friends and stuff. Uh, we always our house is always packed. Um, and then just being able to uh, go around and help whoever else I can, like giving lessons and stuff like that. I love being able to help others, and and that's what this platform has allowed me. And uh, I just became a, a partner with uh, the Rally Foundation and got to go out there and, and give a speech in front of everybody. And Brian McCann is uh, one of the heads of that foundation. I got to meet him, but just giving a speech about my story and, and about perseverance and uh, being able to just be a voice for others who are going down the same path that I am. What's the I mission have. of the Rally Foundation? Uh, it's just to be able to bring awareness to childhood cancer. Uh, we are trying to, right now, it's, we're taking a big thing about going to, uh, trying to get any funding that we can to pediatric cancer. Because as of right now, there's no, there's zero percent, there's zero dollars going to pediatric cancer uh, research. All that is going to adults and adolescents. And what we're trying to do is bring a focus to that and uh, trying to provide anybody with information and, and trying to ask for money for uh, to donate, to uh, help us bring research in, in, into the world of for kids. I mean, it's it's crazy that you... Look at all this money that goes into cancer research, and none of it goes to kids. And right, it's just sad. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's surprising, you know, to, yep. to hear. But 
Um, you guys are obviously making strides to changing that. So exactly what, right. What was your approach to returning to the mound? So once you got you know deemed cancer free, you know what was that feeling like? Number one, and then how did you you know approach coming to the mound? You know obviously pitchers' arms are you know in the news all the time about you know Tommy John surgery and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like how did you prevent that from happening? Like based off. Um, of, yeah. I think one of the things that I have always kind of done, even in high school, was. I call it prehab, so being able to focus on stuff before an injury so I don't have to go through rehab. So doing all the exercises you would do after an injury but before. So um, it was just taking that same mentality and understanding, hey, man, you just got done with all this stuff. Now you finally get to all that hard work you put in. You get to go back and having fun again on the mound. And, And the first time I picked up a ball, and threw it. I swear it was like I was holding the world in my hand. All that I could literally see, like it, would, it was like a flashback of day one of chemo, like under, like seeing all this stuff, all like when I was getting sick, I'd throw up and all this stuff, and it would whirl, whirled into one moment, and it was picking up that ball again and being able to throw. And it was probably one of the most uh, awesome experiences um, and very humbling experiences ever. Yeah, that's great. I can only imagine. I mean, it, it, I've interviewed a few people who have had your your uh, cancer, and it, mm-hmm. it, it definitely it's it's a it's a struggle. Um, so let's step away from you know the 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 cancer story, and yep. let's talk about. So you were drafted out of high school, and you actually passed up like a million dollar signing bonus to go to yep. Clemson, right? So can you kind yeah, of talk I, about you know that decision? <laughs> that's pretty crazy to. Well, you know, me and a lot of people who are paying student loans who would be yeah, like, yeah. No, come on, I, man. And, I know. And honestly, you're like looking back sometimes, you're like, dang it, why did I do that? But no, it, my my mom and my nana, who is my mom's mom. Uh, Where you get all your good athletic advice. Exactly advice, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were teachers growing up, and they were always like, look, man, you've got to get your education. Baseball will end one day. And it will. It will yeah. stop. It will. And at some point, it's done. And I, and I really, growing up, I always listened to that. And I always knew um, that at some point I, I had to get my degree. And so I had a number set in mind. And if I didn't get that number, I had already told him. I was like, look, man, I'm going to go to college. I'm happy where I committed. Um, I want to be able to experience that. And to this day, I'm so great, like thankful and, and grateful for the fact that I went, I passed that up. Even though it was a lot of money, it was a lot of money, um, but it was one of those things, I wouldn't have been able to mature, and I don't think I would have been able to make it if I would have gone out of high school, and especially if I would have like gone out of high school and then been diagnosed with cancer right. and been to by myself, I wouldn't have been able to handle that. Right. And yeah, so I, I mean, think that, that was a God, a, God, a God moment, really, and that was, it was really cool. Uh, that reminds me of, you read Josh Hamilton's book? I have. Yeah, that reminds me of his book because, like, he talks about how, you know, his decision to skip college and go right to the pros and how he wasn't really quite mature enough for that and how it kind of yep. led to his, you know, drug abuse. Um, yep. But then he also found faith, too. So y- you said that it was like a, a God message, you know. So yeah. how, what did faith, you know, what role did faith play in your recovery from uh, oh, the cancer? Faith was number one. I mean, it was... I've always, I've grown up in a very religious family and a very religious background. And and so I'm a big, huge believer in in 
Christ and, and he's our savior. And, um, and I understood that I was like, when I first got diagnosed, I even tweeted it out. I was like, God has put me down a different path than what I thought, but I'm ready to embrace it. And, um, it was like, I understood. I was like, okay, I like when I was a kid, my pop was diagnosed with cancer and I saw what he went through. And I told my parents when I was like seven years old, I was like, I want to be able to do something in the cancer world. I don't care what it is, if it's donating, running an organization, like whatever I could do. And I was care for what you wish for. Yeah, no, seriously. And it goes and literally it was like 20 or 15 years later. Hey, well, here's your opportunity. I'm going to give you cancer and let's see where you go with this. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be able to bear this role, I want to be able to make the most of it. And that's something that it's like, you just take a step back and you look at it and it's like, man, I, God really put me on this path for me to do something greater than myself. And, and like I said, man, faith is the only way to get through stuff. And, and I'm a huge believer in it. And if, if you don't believe or you haven't been to church, I highly recommend it. Just going out there, just see, just see what it's all about, man, and see uh, what it what it, what it'll do for you. Yeah, I recently read uh, Tim Tebow's book. Uh-huh. And his new one. Have you have you read it? I haven't actually, but I heard it was really good. Yeah, well, it's all about like overcoming obstacles and stuff like that. So for anyone out there who maybe even isn't religious, like I'm not even religious, but I'm a huge Tim yeah. Tebow fan, so I I love the book. But uh-huh. um, it's a good transition into maybe finding uh, a faith or making faith a part of your life. Okay. Um, yeah, but so, you know, before your cancer diagnosis, were you ever injured uh, prior to, like, in Fortunately, football? Fortunately, I, I had not been. Well, I had, I mean, I'd broken a couple bones, but it was, like, not anything severe, so. Nothing that kept you out of the game for too no. long? No, no, no. All right. Um, lucky, I guess. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, exactly right. Out of all those sports playing and then, playing with all the kids like in the backyard and I was right. fortunate enough to not do anything too stupid unscathed nice what do you think led to that like you you know avoiding injuries I think honestly just being able to um a lot of luck a lot of luck it goes into that but uh from the baseball aspect I think a lot of it still stems from that prehab so being able to strengthen stuff like for pitchers, decelerator muscles. Most people don't know where they are, but it's the buys, tries, scaps, lats, all the stuff that stops your arm. And buys are the most fun thing to work out anyway, so. Oh, yeah, exactly right. You got to do it for the girls, right? Yeah. Curls are for the girls. But, uh, no, like, all those muscles people take for granted, but if you throw 90 miles an hour and you didn't have any tendons, muscles, or anything to stop your arm, it was just friction your arm would rotate 27 times before it stops. That's how much torque you're putting on it every single time you pitch. So those muscles are working so hard, and yet you don't take care of them. And that was one of the things that my approach was, take care of those muscles and those body parts, and let's see if I don't get injured. And so far, knock on wood, I haven't been injured that way. Yeah, that's that's great. Did you play uh, football and basketball all four years of high school? No, I played basketball three years, and then my senior year was my draft year. So they were like, "Hey, man, uh, you got to probably should play. focus." <laughs> yeah, you should probably focus. And of course, I mean, honestly, though, it's one of my biggest regrets is not playing my senior year of basketball. But that's beside the point. Um, 
but in football I played uh to my eighth grade year and then I like uh like kind of busted my knee a little bit and then it was like okay well I don't need to do that in, in high school I'll stick to basketball and baseball yeah I just I only bring that up because you know sports specialization is comes up a lot on the show and in sports health and safety topics you know in terms especially Tommy John you know like yep. you know when they overuse of the arm and how if you play summer ball fall ball you know and then yep, in the spring the, the year-round yeah, baseball yeah it's too much too much for it so i'm just curious yeah, i would 100 you percent. Know. i'm telling you right now play as many sports as you can growing up it helps like all aspects of your life teaching you leadership teamwork camaraderie time management and just being able to have fun as a kid, man. I mean, because once you're out of high school and you're fortunate enough to go uh, to college, if you if you if you are fortunate enough to get a scholarship and stuff like that, you're sticking to one sport, and it's year round, buddy. You're signed up for that. Right. And it's like being able to experience everything else. And I loved that part of my high school career, being able to play two different sports and and hanging out with everybody else, different crowds and stuff like that. I loved that, and I would recommend it to everybody. How did basketball make you a better pitcher? Oh, conditioning, uh, agility, speed, uh, leg strength, uh, and, and honestly, getting away from the game a little bit to be able to recover, let my arms like catch back up. So that that's something I always adored about basketball, and plus, get my mind like mind off the game, like go like go have fun in another sport, just just do something else, you know? Right. So what's it like having a, a brother who plays for your your cross state rival? Oh, you know, it's, two of the it's best. pretty much it's pretty much just like we were growing up in the house, just fighting fighting all the time when we're we're just trying to have competition for anything and, and anything we could find, whether it be in the backyard trying to hit something tiny on a post or something, or or outside shooting hoops, whoever beats each other in horse or something like that, like. It's just the same thing, and then all all of a sudden it turned into a magnified scale when everybody figured out we were brothers and we pitched against each other, and it's just it was it was just crazy, man. And I mean, I loved every second of it. And fortunate, well, fortunate for my parents because they would have died if we would have pitched on the same night. But um, I was gonna ask, was there a, a Schmidt Schmidt? Uh... No, yeah, it, there was gonna be, but uh, I was I our coach wanted to. Uh, he was a big proponent of the Saturday game at the beginning of the year because the Saturday game either put the – if you won game one – so normally in college there's a three-game series on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Normally it's your best pitchers on Friday, second pitchers on Saturday, third pitchers on Sunday. But for, our, for us, our coach wanted – for me, he wanted me to be able to uh, – senior leader to be on – Saturday because if we lost on game one, right, bounce he wanted back on Saturday. he wanted to bounce back on Saturday, and then if we won game one, he wanted us to put it away, and so he gave me the ball on Saturday. My brother was Friday night, so we missed it by a day, but uh, we both got our wins, and then we ended up winning the series on Sunday. So it was it's been it was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, so you never made it to the College World Series, though, right? You went no, to regionals. No, I did a not. Yeah. Yep. Does that eat at you a little bit? Oh, it does. It's very. Your, it's a very. Did, salty was your brother subject. on the team when they went or no? No, he was not. So, so he hasn't like been there either. Just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's, that's too bad. But whatever. Uh, so recently, you've been talking to uh, 
James Conner. So James Conner's a running back for Pitt, and he's like one of the mm-hmm. best running backs in the country right now. And that's yep. actually how I found you was on uh, social media. I saw he posted a picture with you, and I saw your story. I'm like, oh wow, that's really cool. So <laughs> yeah, wh- when did you reach out to James? And like, what kind of stuff and advice did you did you give him? Um, so I found out he was diagnosed in December, and that was when he was literally first diagnosed. And I was like, okay, well, I was. Everybody messaged me, so I, it's time to pay pay it forward. And so, right, uh, I immediately contacted him through social media, and and then we traded numbers. <coughs> excuse me. And then after that, it just kind of snowballed. And I literally think of him as my brother. Um, and I just gave him the some little hints and stuff, and and some tips to to get through treatment, and and what to to take easy, and then what to expect. What's uh, like even down to the numbing cream before they stab you in your chest for like your chemo stuff and so like just just little stuff like that and then tips and tricks and I mean it was just it blossomed into this brotherhood and I literally like I said I consider him my blood brother That's and awesome. uh, it and it was probably one of the coolest experiences to be able to finally meet him face to face a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so what do you think about all of his success that he's having this season? I mean, it's just a testament to the kind of kid and kind of character that he is. I mean, he so, put in all the hard work, did all the right things, worked his butt off to get back to where he was, and then it's finally paying off for him. And, I mean, I'm not, I couldn't be any more prouder and happier for him. So from based off of what I'm getting from you know, the advice that you've gotten, the advice that you've given, it's important to be patient. You know, coming yes. back, right? Yes, can't go it too is. hard. I'm understanding too the process, right? All right, so I think that's a that's a good message for people to do. And I know from my own personal perspective, you know, I had a serious brain injury where I lost like 30 pounds, and I I was still able to play baseball my senior season, uh-huh. but I think I did that too much too soon. I ended up with like tendonitis on my wrist and on my yep. elbow, and like I, I yeah, I, I wasn't patient enough, and I think mm-hmm. that's a good lesson to to learn for for uh, yep. other athletes going through that. Exactly so all right, we're, right. we're starting to wrap the interview up here. So what's your transition to pro ball been like? Oh, it's been, I mean it's been a lot of fun. It's definitely a whirlwind because uh, you're you go from playing on the, like one game during the week and then three games on the weekend to it's every day every game and you get like five off days in like 75 days. And it was like Okay, well, I guess this is what the definition of the grind is. And but I knew and I had an idea of going into it and I was of course extremely excited. And so I mean, it was it was awesome. I've met I've met a lot of great people, become friends with a lot of the guys on my team and and in the organization. And it's just being able to meet others outside the organization. It's been so much fun and uh it's it's an awesome experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. Great. So what's your uh, goals, you know, for next season. Uh, hopefully, uh, be able to move through our system as fast as possible, and 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 hopefully that is, uh, of course, that means doing doing extremely well during the season, um, and just being able to play the best baseball that I can and pitch the best that, to my ability, and and all this hard work that I've been putting in the off season to pay off, and and so that's something that I just want to be able to do my best work and see how far I can go in our organization. Good stuff. Um, so what, what like gets you in the zone before a game? 
uh, I have, of course, everybody has their certain playlist and, and stuff like that. So for music, um, but just being able to focus on what I, what I've done in the past and what has worked best for me and like looking back on games and, and reading about hitters, watch studying hitters and, and like from the previous games and being able to just concentrate and go through a, a each hitter, like through the order and being able to understand that the knowledge and learning side of the game and uh that really focuses me in before i uh step on the mound so what's your walkout song uh i my senior year i had uh hell's bells by acdc old school okay. I, yeah so i always was the old school classic rock guy so i stuck with it so that's what i did good stuff i like that all right uh where can people find you like on social media and stuff like that uh, they can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, at cschmidt32, and that's on for both. And then uh, Facebook, you can follow me at Clay Schmidt, and then uh, that's about it, man. Good stuff. So finish up. Uh, what's your personal definition of perseverance? My personal definition of perseverance has to be understanding who you are as a person, understanding where you are physically and mentally and being able to push those boundaries past those points where you think you couldn't go great thanks a lot uh clay for coming on and sharing your story and that's definitely gonna definitely inspire the the listeners of, of the podcast of course man thanks so much for having me